I'm Angela Taylor, your host for Unlocking the Club. On today's episode of the Unlocking the Club podcast, I'll be joined by Cheryl Burrell, founder of the Burrell Group. Cheryl is an executive coach, leadership consultant, and a dynamic speaker. Before founding the Burrell Group, she artfully navigated corporate America for 28 years, including a 25-year career at 3M Company. In fact, while an executive at 3M, Cheryl was the first African-American female business director and over the course of her tenure there, held many positions of increasing responsibility, including Asia-Pacific business development. Burrell also established new global businesses within 3M's industrial sector of the company. Eventually, her passion for entrepreneurial opportunities led her to retire, where she remained very active, founding the Dignitas Agency and the Burrell Group. It's time to unlock the club with our very special guest, Cheryl Burrell. Welcome to the Unlocking the Club podcast, where we host honest and direct conversations about journeys of access, personal truth, and reclaiming space. We share our truth so that you can find the key to own your truth, honor your journey, and reclaim your space. Grab your keys, your wallet, your phone, and invite your friends to meet you at the club. Here's your host, Angela Taylor. Hey there, I'm Angela Taylor, your host for the Unlocking the Club podcast. Today we're going to have an intimate conversation about how you unlock the club in wellness in the workplace. Now, wellness in the workplace can mean a, a myriad of different things, depending on the situation, to be honest with you but it's incredibly important for so many different reasons, particularly as we all have discovered over the course of the last couple of years inside this global pandemic. For me personally, at one point in my career, I was feeling stuck despite the fact that I had the job I wanted, the title I felt was commensurate with the work that I was doing. Our team was thriving, driving results and exceeding goals, I think in some, some respects. But as both the highest ranking woman and the highest ranking person of color inside of this organization that I was with at the time, I felt like my work ethic was constantly being challenged and questioned. Now, mind you, and I think many of you probably have a similar experience, I was oftentimes the first person in the office on most days and the last person to leave, particularly my peers on the executive team but I was literally being questioned about how I was allocating my time. I get that. Like I had a conversation with somebody asking me how I was allocating my time. Now at that stage in my career, I frequently fell back on the sage advice that many of us hear from our parents or um, any mentors. And that was to put your head down and to continue working hard. Yeah, I know many of you listeners have heard that same thing over and over. And, and I gotta tell you that for most of my career, that advice was extremely helpful. But in that particular moment, in that particular role, in that particular capacity inside that organization, there was a different set of rules, a different set of requirements for getting in the club that I actually thought I wanted to belong to, but that I wasn't aware of at the time. I actually needed to be building social capital instead of driving myself to exhaustion as I tried to, to be the best at everything that came my way. My solution oftentimes was to outwork everybody, to be perfect, to recover from my mistakes, but to recover quickly. It was exhausting, I gotta tell you. Um, so often I'd be walking home and talking to my mother or friends and just was mentally and physically drained and had nothing left. But I would get home, my body would be on empty, 
And I would get on my computer and keep going and keep driving because I felt like I had to prove myself. I actually wasn't navigating the workspace in wellness. And I didn't really know what that was at that stage of my career, frankly. But luckily, that's when I met our next guest, Cheryl Burrell, and things changed. And I'm going to talk to you today um, about wellness in the workplace through the lens that Cheryl brought to me um, so we can unlock the club and find the passcode to living in wellness. All right, so it is an honor and a pleasure for me to introduce you to uh, a mentor, a friend, a business partner at some point, uh, and someone who's had a profound impact on my career and journey, Cheryl Burrell. Cheryl, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on Unlocking the Club. How are you doing? What's going on with you today? What are you doing to stay cute and current? Well, <laughs> I'm still staying cute and current by um, playing in my garden, working out, and just enjoying life. That's what I'm doing. And trying to hang out with younger people that keep me fresh on what's going on in the world with dance and music. <laughs> Yeah, but so yeah, it's good to see you, Angela. It's great to see you as well. And, you know, I just told the story of how you helped me unlock wellness in the workplace. Um, I won't say the gray hair may indicate it, but I won't say how long ago that was. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure if you actually understand how important the conversation you had with me was one day mm. when I was struggling to find balance in the workplace. Do you remember that conversation and some I of totally the things that you shared with me? I totally remember it. I could hear your voice. And I said, come over. And you came over to my condo and we chatted because uh, I heard I heard it. I heard it in your voice. Yeah, yeah. I've had that voice. So I knew I'm just a little older than you, just a couple of years. Haha. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it's so awesome to be able to reach back and pull the next one forward. Yeah. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. It's like, girl, please, I got this. We got this. You got this. Yes. Well, in that moment, just to know that I wasn't alone, right? That someone else Absolutely. saw me and saw what was going on. But you talked about like that voice, that you heard it in my voice and that you had that in your voice at some point during your extensive corporate career. What is the voice? What shows up for us? Oh, well, I, well, I can speak for myself <laughs> because I've done quite a bit of analysis on the voice and the reasoning and I'm still learning. But however... For me, it was a little, my little girl telling me I wasn't good enough. And so what would happen, even though I was trekking and having a phenomenal career, it was this little girl telling me, mm, I'm not sure if you're good enough here. And if I, when I really started unpacking that, I realized that that was said to me when I was in 10th grade. Um, my parents integrated the school system with us. And I remember getting ready to go to college and starting to look at those things. And I remember a counselor, because it was an all-white school, I remember a counselor telling me that I shouldn't bother looking at colleges. There were better opportunities for me outside of college. And so that is in, even though you don't think it's in your head, it's in there. And it triggered. It, I didn't realize how much it was sitting there until a situation happened at 3M where I went from zero to 100, <laughs> quite frankly, in a meeting. And I truly didn't understand what was happening. 
until I retired from 3M and I was learning to teach a course about going inside yourself and understanding your core hurts. And that's when I realized what had happened. So I went through an entire career and didn't know what was going on. But that little voice for me was my, lo- my little girl self telling me that I was, I was still not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I think about that because I was in, you know, at that time, 3M had 65,000 employees. I was at, when I left 3M, I was in the top 250. And I'm still sitting there having that conversation. Really? Ah. I think that's the nexus, right, of this conversation is that so often there might have been something that happened to us in our childhood, uh, on our journey, that someone because they didn't see us, they didn't see where we brought value, they didn't understand us, Mm -mm. right? They questioned our ability and our capabilities, and we internalized that. Yes. I know I did. I didn't know I did, but I did. But you did. Like, how did that impact you on your journey? Like, that core hurt that you weren't aware of? Oh, so there used to be a descriptor around me, and now that I look back, I know what they were saying. So, of course, I had no women in my career. They were all men. I was in the industrial space, and I don't mind discussing my age, but I was in the industrial space when um, when people people of color and women for sure had not entered the business side. So um, I was with all men that happened to be white. Mm-hmm. I think I reported to one black man in my career and I reported to one white woman in my career and that was towards the end of it. So that just tells you a lot was happening. And what I found myself doing is I, I have um I'll say I'm from the New York area. I'm just going to put that there. So I'm very direct. <laughs> and I would go from zero to maybe 30 when I probably needed to go from zero to five or 10. But I had to learn to manage that. Matter of fact, I had a coach to help me with that. I had to get a stone that I would hold in, in meetings. So I would just reduce my stress and uh, not be not be so quick to have a comment. Yeah, we said like from zero to six or zero to 100. It reminds me of there's a, a, a proverb um, from a, a Native American proverb. And it says something like, um, if you don't hear my whispers, will you hear my scream? Oh, right. Like, mm. tell me, like, how how does that resonate with you? Oh, Ooh. it reminds me of a um, I had a situ- I had a huge project at 3L. Huge, huge change project. And worked on it for the, for the president of this specific division. And it was a huge project. I had it for about, it took about three years to launch it because we were literally going to change how we did business. And I had gotten all this buy-in, quote, unquote. And at the 11.9 hour of the launch, these leaders, these men that were very important to making this successful, one by one came into my office to tell me they weren't supportive of it. Interesting. Now, mind you, I have camera action and everything coming in the next morning for my my vice president to launch this thing. Everything is set up. I called him at his home and told him it was off. I called the whole thing off. I'll never forget it. It was a moment where I was like, I'm either going to be at 3M at five o'clock today, or I'm not going to be in this company. And what he did, I'll never forget it. He was awesome. He called that whole group together that was important to me that all came to my office one by one. Let me just say this. We launched that program the next day. (laughs) 
And it is still one of the most successful programs at 3M. But it taught me so much about the club that I never was in, never thought I needed to be in. I knew about the club, but I didn't fit the club mentality. I'm not a group think person. That's why I got those projects. And, but it's almost like a, how dare you think you can do this thing that came at me. But what was so interesting to me, and it showed me so much, I hate to say this, cowardness of people sitting in a room with, the, with leadership and not challenging it in front of anyone. Would you come to my office one by one? Wow. Uh, and I tell you, that did something to me. I mean, even though I stood up to it, the inside was like, God, is this the journey? Wait, is this what I want? Is this what I want for my life? It's not about my ability. It's my desire to be in a space that's so unhealthy. And quite frankly, I negotiated a way, I negotiated a deal out of 3M when they were about to make me a, a vice president of a division. Interesting, interesting. Because I made a decision that my health was more important than another dollar. Um, and the good news about that is I, I learned early on how to build wealth, thank God. So I wasn't relying on 3M for a check. And, you know, of course, I want my, I, you know, I negotiated to get my pension and everything. But I was able to go forward and take care of myself. And I started up new businesses. That's the other thing. What you have is who you are. Like, whatever you bring, you have that everywhere you go. That's the gift. Right. And learning your strength and your power, like your personal power to move through and do whatever you want. And corporate, you know, when you're in these clubs and, you know, unlocking the club, the club might be a completely have a whole different look than what you were thinking when you were trying to get in that one. Yes, indeed. Indeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I created my own club. You're right. You're right about that. Oh my gosh, Cheryl, so many nuggets. I don't even know where to begin with, with everything that you shared. But one thing you talked about, like that you had started building wealth um, so that you could walk away when you wanted to. And it reminded me, I have a, a good friend um, who says um, that on her mind, early on in her career, she needed to find that FU money so that if things got to the point, right, where like, you just can't do it anymore, like, right, I think that sometimes they think they have us or they know they yes. do us, right? We don't have that generational wealth to fall back on, but, but our income is not just helping us and our immediate families, but oftentimes like maybe helping other people. And Absolutely. So it's an important people thing to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and then the, the other piece, you, you talked about the club and, and, and as I'm listening to you talking about it, um, it feels like there is an awakening in, in this awareness of this club at this point in that moment, in that particular situation where your colleagues didn't have the fortitude to stand up for what they believed in. Um, and then also a conscious decision whether or not that was a club you belonged in or wanted to fight to get in. I was so disappointed. Hmm. And that's a word that I think is like, if someone says I disappoint, that is so hurtful to me. I mean, I felt such a disappointment in these humans. Um, but I'll tell you what, it also, the other side of that is it taught me true lead, what true leadership looks like. And when my vice president called them in, and one thing he said, he literally 
this was amazing. We were sitting around an oval table and he had each one. He says, I'm going to go around this room and you're going to explain to me how you're going to support this initiative. And uh, let me begin by saying, if by the end of this meeting, you are not ready to support this initiative, I need your resignation on my desk by, by five. Accountability. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because it could have gone in entire, had he not been the leader and have the value system he had, that could have gone way south real quick. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what's happened so often for women of color in the workplace is you don't have that allyship or an accomplice who is willing to do the blocking and the tackling in that particular situation, right? Because they want to prioritize the relationships that they have with their boys, right? You know what's interesting, Angela? This is the, this is, I always felt like I was a stealth bomber. Like, I always felt like I would come into a neighborhood, you don't even see me, and I'd blow it up. I mean, not literally. So, what they, uh, they always underestimated my relationship abilities. I had his wife's mobile number. (laughs) They had, they can't even see that I could be in that room like that. I was not in the room. I was at the table. But they never understood that. Because what they saw was this skin tone, but she can't be. She yeah. can't be in there. So I, you're up in there. I spent, I, I used to, the Japanese taught me something and it was always doing the behind the scenes things. Like do the stuff behind the scenes and it comes naturally for me. And I'm a sales rep by, you know, I love selling. So I understand the importance of building a relationship and getting to know who a person is. So by the time the business is done, pretty much done because the relationship is so strong yes. and we understand each other. And I think that's a lot of work that a lot of people think I, I, I was, someone said at three, I'm, Oh, that's how Cheryl is. Oh, really? That's what, really? Yeah. And not giving it any, any value. Do you understand? Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting. And I think a lot of times we miss that opportunity because what happens is we're just sitting in the corner working so hard. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what we've known. That's what we've been told. Yeah, that's what we were told to do. Yeah. Um, the only reason I know better around that is because of my dad and his entrepreneurship and how I used to be with him. And I guess he would bring me along and I would hear these amazing conversations. So I was always so comfortable in that space. And my cousin, who was the first person to go in corporate and do extremely well, although his stories used to blow my mind. He had a master's from from Harvard and a brilliant. And he used to tell stories. My mouth would be hanging over what happened to him in corporate. And he's about 10 years ahead of me. So I heard and learned a lot. So I wasn't expecting a panacea. Lord knows I wasn't. So it was just interesting to be in it and really see how people show up and lack of mm, accountability, responsibility. Like, what's the value system? What's your value system? Where's the (laughs) moral? The morals are sit up here. So it was interesting. And I was with all men my whole career. So I know it's probably different. 
Well, I want to dig into something that you said, because it's a gem that you dropped. Um, that is really the passcode to unlocking the club, but I don't want to overlook that. and want to d- dig into it. And you talked about relationships. So, right, like so often when we are taught that you do put your head down, you work hard, you got the I's, you cross the T's, right? You stay late and get things done. You deliver on time or early. All of those different things where you're proving that you are worth it. And we're internalizing that, like, I have to do better. I have to be better. And at the same time, when you're at the level that you were at that point, it wasn't necessarily just about that technical expertise. Not at all. The relationships that you had fostered. And and I, I agree that Cheryl is like Hall of Fame, like relationship builder, right? It's one of the things that I love about you is that you build relationships. And that's one of the reasons that, right, I feel like I have been able to accomplish some of the things that I have since I met you was, was we had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. But not everyone right? Is, is that good in relationships? How do you leverage relationships building across the spectrum of who you are and how you show up? Um, because you know that that is one of the keys to unlocking the club. Right. So we all have our personalities. We all have our personalities. And, and people watching this or meet me think I am the most bubbly, extroverted human being on earth. <laughs> Not. I am an introvert. I love, I, what gets me excited is I'm so curious about people's stories. I love knowing someone's, tell me about you. Do you know how many people love to tell you about themselves? Most. So what I get from that, and I don't do that, that is authentically me. So I do it because I'm so intrigued by stuff because I learn little nuggets. Like you'll start telling me something, Angela, and I will learn something. And you know what? There's going to be something that we connect with. There is something I can connect with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live and what part of the world. We have connections. And I just love doing that. Work to me is secondary. It's secondary. And, you know, at that point, at these stages, you know, when you're climbing, I always say what gets you noticed isn't what gets you to the next rung. What gets you noticed is because you did it so well, technically. But what happens, as you know, Angela, there are discussions about us. You get ranked. That is how organizations work. So there are people that sit in the room and they rank you. And you just might be a great worker and we're going to allow you to be a great worker for your career. And if that's all you want, that's great. Sure. That was cl- never what I wanted. Never. And I was always very clear about that. I was always asking what's next mm-hmm. and helping them, helping them understand what's going to be next and what my needs were from an educational perspective to keep myself fresh. So it's asking for what you want. And everybody's different. But you enter the room as with you, who you are and your personality. But the piece is really becoming self-aware. Like there's work we all have to do to understand who we are. You know, people say, well, what do you think I should be doing? I can't tell you which, what sits with you and gets you excited. Because then it's never work. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, and, and I think an important piece that you are alluding to here is brand. And we talk about this in the work that we did with the Dignitas Agency was brand clarification. It's making sure that how you feel that you're showing up and want to be showing up inside an organization is in alignment with how they are seeing you. Because Amen. if there's a gap, right? Amen. And you may not be getting those opportunities 
that you actually want or not hoping for, and you have your head down over here trying to work as hard as you can, and you're hoping for an opportunity. And that happened to me for years, and you weren't on brand. You hadn't communicated that clearly with whoever it was that was making decisions. And who, how are you, Christine? You know, one of the things I used to do, and I tell young people now, I said, who knows you in, who knows you in this place? Who knows you? If it's just your immediate supervisor and your little circle there, that's not enough. You need to go broad, cross up, down, sideways. Who knows you? And start asking people that, like, I would look for people that I thought highly of, that I watched them in presentations and stuff. And I would just usually want a piece of their presentation, to be quite honest. And I tell them how good it is so I could borrow it and use it in some work I was doing and just carry the messaging forward. And then I wound up having coffee with them. I'd say, can I bring you a coffee? And the thing is, um, there's always a space for that. There's always space. And I would ask them, how am I perceived here? What do you think of me? What do you hear about me? Give me two words that describe me that you hear on the street. They would. Yeah. And what happens with that is you start learning, just like you said, where you may think, how you may think you show up and what you hear in the universe might be a gap. Whether it's right or wrong, it's perceived. Now, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't look externally for all those answers. Start checking in with yourself, create your own personal board of directors inside the company and outside the company, people that you truly trust. I always say, who's, if you're on the, if you're a one person show and you're in a play in New York, who's got those front row seats in your life? Well, and I think it's important to note as well, um, because I think sometimes you don't want to have those conversations because you're fearful of the feedback and information that you're going to receive in return. And I think it's important for you to be able to step back and to say, right, um, if that isn't in alignment with how you think you're showing up, is it true? Because I think there's a lot of people that don't have your best interest in mind. So they may be telling you one thing and the That's right. different. So you have to be able to filter that as well. But sure, I think one thing that shows up, and this happened for me quite a bit, um, like I was exhausted again with the work that I was doing. Like when, when the day was over and I was heading home, I, I needed to compartmentalize. I wasn't trying to hang out with folks at the cigar bar or right and, and, and build those relationships. And yet, those were some of the keys to unlocking the club of, of having the very, building those very important. Do you have to be friends? Do you have to, like, I think that that's the, the piece that we have to reconcile is what is required of us, particularly when you, you have a lot of other things that you want to plug into as well. You know, Angela, good point. Here's the deal. You got to decide what you want. If you are doing a climb, sorry, you need to go hang out. Because at the end of the day, if I'm up in that leadership space where I'm director, VP, president, I am choosing people, trust me, that I know. I, am, I may have heard about you, but because I don't know you, Angela, it would be hard for me to pull you into that because the circle just got really small. So it becomes very intimate and I can't have a wild card. I know that sounds horrible, but because I don't know you, and this is where it gets. Look, I understand you want to go be with your peeps. Trust me on that. However, you got people got to know who you are. 
And what I would do is I would like, I'm not a golfer. Never did. Matter of fact, they sent me to golf. They sent me to learn. It was so bad when I got into the ball, went in that sand, they decided it probably wasn't good because my language wasn't good. So (laughs) we've decided that didn't make sense. But what I would do, what I found myself doing, what is it I love doing? Well, I love food and wine. So for me, I would build opportunities with clients and guys I had met around that because it was enjoyable for me. And it gave me an opportunity to know who they were. That's for me. When you get people out those offices, behind those desks, you get to see more of the human being. And that's where I try to connect with people. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is there's two things, like, right, is, is one, honor yourself, but also understand the rules of the game. Yes. Like, so if you want to play the game, unfortunately, this is the current system and, and many people are working to shift that system. But to navigate the system in this point in time that you are in, you have to understand the system of, and, and the game and the rules and then figure out a way where you can authentically and honoring yourself yes. navigate those rules. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when I, you know, as I do my coaching, typically, it's always so interesting. I'm typically brought in because I like to work with women and I like to work with women of color. And I really love working with the black women. And I'll be brought into a, an organization for a six month coaching assignment. And what's always interesting to me is I'm being asked to fix someone. And what I typically learn, well, first of all, these corporations aren't hiring incompetent black people yet. I won't be on earth. I will be dead in my urn. Amen. So these these women are, I'll just call them badasses. They're badasses. They are bosses already. What has happened is they didn't know how to navigate the organizational landscape. Once I help them understand that piece, they usually leave the company and most of them are doing, are sailing. They're doing so well because once we got them through the six months of coaching, the, the organization that hired me wasn't ready to receive them at the level they enter back into. So that what was, was interesting. What was it that you shared with them that unlocked, whether it was they were staying in that company? Or first, of all, I, first of all, I, had to, I usually had to help with self-esteem because they'd been beaten up. And what happens is when someone's just always just pounding you, I don't care how strong, how smart you are, you will start breaking. You will, because we are human beings and it hurts. And we don't really talk about it. And so we put on our suit, a suit of armor, I call it, and we come back in. But what's happening is you're starting to shrink inside yourself and you start questioning your ability. I'm not, it's that whole thing. And look, most people, by the time they are 15 years old, have had some experiences around core hurt. And core hurts will play with you and keep coming up to you address them, pacify them, and decide another road around them. Right. It, it, it is what it is. So what I, I wound up doing a lot of that work. Well, tell me. Because I created a safe space. Well, and, and as you were creating that safe space, because this is really the crux of this conversation, right? Um, wellness in the workplace. Like, what are some of the key components for Black women in particular? Like, how can we um, prioritize our own wellness? Because so often we're taking care of everybody else first, and then maybe we get to ourselves. But what are the components of wellness in the workplace? So, you know, this is a hard one for me. And I almost feel 
I'm not the right person to ask. You know, I didn't have a live plant while I was working. <laughs> so it's, I'm really, I probably do sound, um, I was able to take care of myself well. Uh, even then I, I was still struggling. But um, that's a hard question for me. I just believe you have to, you have to put yourself on your calendar. Workout was really, really, really important to me. And to this day, it still is. And I believe that helped me so much keep my strength. And it, for me, it's just a lift. So I would go, I would work out before I went into, I'd work out at 4.30 in the morning because I like to be at work about 6.37 because I'm a morning person because I shut down about one o'clock. I can be in your office, but I'm probably not going to be there much. But um, I just love, I love morning. So I think it's figuring out how can I make it work? I don't care. Even if you have to do, you know, when you're full of, when your house, when your life is so full with children and, you know, taking care of parents, it, there's, there's very small spaces to do things. So then you say, well, what can I do? Can I run in the morning? Can I walk in the morning? Can I do bands? Can I do something that builds your strength? And I will say this, <laughs> it is so important to start taking care of this one body you get for the rest of your life. It is, I don't care what you're doing. You have got to take time to take care of not, not only your physical body, but as you know, Angela, I always talk about the mental piece too. And as you know, I, um, I live with depression. I have depressive episodes and I learned that it's really important that I create spaces of harmony and boundaries around me to take care of myself. So I think it's understanding and, and getting help when you need it. You know, the other thing about mental health and feeling good about yourself is ask people for help. Yeah. You do not, none of us were designed to do this by ourselves. It is not embarrassing to ask for help. It will, it, you'll be so surprised. There's so many other people going through things that you think you're the only one going through it. But if you open yourself up to, you know, again, creating your trust circles, like who's your inner circle? And I always tell people, if you don't have a good inner circle where you have high trust, then that's where you need to start. You, first of all, you need to start with yourself on why don't I have that? Why don't I believe I deserve that? Yeah. And then how do I create that? Because all those things come up and they show up in your work and everything else. And yeah, you know, I think one thing, one thing that I'm hearing from you too that is ringing clear and, and, and I hear your voice in my head is, again, with that brand clarification uh, and alignment is when you are clear about what you are hoping to accomplish and achieve and what's important to you and what is not, it's easy to say yes or to say no. Yes. You are quite sure then you, the wind will determine what decisions you make. So having that clarity um, will allow you to say no in situations that you can help restore your soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's, a, that's, that's awesome. Because I, when I'm working with women, I always say, just say no. That's it. That is the whole book. No. You don't have to give a story around it. You don't have to do it because you feel bad. No. That's it. Yeah. Well, that sure. creates space. That creates space for you to do things for yourself and things that are important to you. I always say, what's important? You know, I um, you know, I always have this circle of life thing I live by. Yeah. And the circle of life was created around the fact that 
you know, you're only here for a certain period of time. So based on my, based on everything about my family genetics and how I take care of myself, I hope I'm here until maybe 90, 97, maybe if I'm healthy. At this stage, you look at where you're at. And then if I've been doing five-year increments, probably since I was about 33. And it's interesting. First of all, I'm claiming it and I'm actually living out this circle it's still working. I can't believe I'm doing, I can't believe I have a dog. I can't believe I'm doing gardening because I had all of that in the, in my um, life circle. So it's just, it's like, but it gives you mantras. Like I have right now, I have affirmations in my bathroom, a, a post-it note. Of course it's a post-it note. I'm from 3M. 3M, but of course. It's I'm telling me, you know, that I'm strong. I'm cute. Cause I always tell Angela I'm cute, but I'm going to be cute till I'm 400 years old. But I'm strong because, as you know, I went through a big issue with my back. And so it's an affirmation. I am strong. I am going to be stronger. And I just tell myself those things. There's things you have to tell yourself and help yourself believe it. I put it in the universe all the time. Absolutely. It is. It's true. Like that positive self-talk is so important. It's huge. We athletes use it all the time. I think that we as Black women need to use it more often as well. And I think one thing when we... When we think about, and this was early on in my career, of saying no was difficult. I had, I had FOMO, right? You're missing out to a certain yes. extent. Or that. Yes. Get that opportunity again. But what I now realize is that by saying no, I'm saying yes to something else, or I'm actually giving someone else an opportunity. Right. To like I don't have to be greedy and, and have everything right. like, right to myself. And so it's really powerful when you get to that space. But it is. It's a journey. It's a journey. It really it's is a, a journey. Because you start becoming, you know, like for me, just really being strategic, strategically looking at what's important in my, in my, for me, for work. I never, you know, I never got everything done. I had no intention of getting everything done three M asked me to do. I got the right stuff done. Amen. Right there. Well, say that one more time. <laughs> I didn't get everything done. Matter of fact, there was a whole thing of stuff on my um, desk when I left. I never got it all done, but I got the right stuff done that got the attention I expected. Well, and, and tell me more about that. What do you mean by the right stuff? That means when I talk about that, a lot of times, I, like for me, I always needed to understand the whole strategic approach to where 3M was going. Because if I'm not aligning to it, if I am not aligning to it, then I may be working for naught. If I don't understand the reasoning and be able to help people understand why, the, my, the why we're doing something, I could be doing something that's not even going to pay off for the corporation and sure won't give me any attaboys. Yeah, the, the piece that's really interesting to me is how often I ask people, do you understand the strategic plan of your organization? And I, I hate to say this, most people don't. That blows my mind. And they're in high-level positions, which is really scary to me. Yeah. Um, because I don't know how you do your work. I don't know how you align. Yes. So important. Right. Like, you understand what your boss's boss and your boss's boss, what keeps right. them at night, right? What their top three things that they're focused on. Because That's right. If you them deliver that, they are going to want to keep you going and moving and on their team. Exactly. Like, and if you don't know that, shame on you. Yeah. This is the work. These are the things you have, you know, nobody, I mean, operational, operational, that's what you get. I mean, fine, you did, you did something. But when you get strategic, and I always used to look to hear of what's really keeping them up at night and what are they looking for? Because I would come up with ideas. I had to address it. 
Yeah. Well, and that's what you can be in conversation with them about. Get curious because they do want to share. Because Absolutely. As well, really an important piece to the journey. Sure, I want to ask you one more question before we head to the back nine. Um, but you posted recently um, a quote by uh, Aaron Van Buren. And that quote said, um, there will be very painful moments in your life that will change you. Let them make you stronger, smarter, and kinder. But don't you go and become someone you're not. Cry scream if you have to, then straighten out that crown and keep moving. What resonated with you about that quote and how did that show up during your corporate career or what advice would you have for others that are facing? First of all, the biggest learnings I've had in my life were the most painful, to be quite honest. And that's where my growth came from. You know, if everything went well, What do I have to learn and grow from? But my most painful experiences propelled me to amazing things. And one of my most painful experiences was being in a six month depression. And what it did is allow me to think about my future and what I wanted from it. And I started journaling. And that's when I moved on into coaching and really doing a deep dive into my own self-awareness and how to stay healthy. And I've gotten really clear around wellness, around boundaries, around, I used to think I was clear around boundaries. I've gotten real clear around boundaries. Um, And also what, what makes me, what what makes me joyful? Not happy. Happy is moments for me, but a living life of joy and harmony. That's it for me. Yeah. When I would say, you know, to append to that is, um, and I think this was me, and it might have been the mentality, the athlete mentality as well, um, but there was a, a lot of joy or pride I took in overcoming challenges, like the pain that you were going through to accomplish something. Mm. And, and, and that was misguided. Wow. Yes. You didn't have to go through the pain, um, and, and I needed to find the places where I could ask for help to avoid some of that um, so that when you were encountering painful moments, right, um, that it was directed in the right way, that you it, you were able to to deal with that uh, in a way that was additive to your journey. It was so, a lot of help. Yeah, yeah. When you can ask, hit that easy button, as, as some colleagues have That's said, right. um, you got to be willing to do that. Well, Cheryl, um, I could go on and have this conversation with you, with you for hours. Um, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us today about wellness in the workplace and your journey and sharing so many nuggets about how to literally unlock the club that you shared with generations, right, since your own journey um, at 3M and, and J&J. Um, before you leave, I actually want to do some rapid-fire questions for you um, here okay. in what we like to call I'll try. Uh, in club, The Back Nine. So we're here with Cheryl Burrell. Uh, and just going to send her through some, some rapid-fire questions here on the back nine. Uh, Cheryl, besides your home, what is the place that you feel safest to be yourself? Besides my home? With my friends, my small group of family friends. Yeah, yeah. It's so where you can literally exhale, right, in those spaces. Completely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. What's the situation that you walk into with trepidation every time? You know, Angela, I'm at a space now I don't. I don't have that. 
How did you get there? I think just creating, I do the things I enjoy. I do everything in my life now is based on, it's like I've curated it. It's, it's easy. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. What I've appreciated about you in this journey, um, there's a lot of intentionality. Like to, to every moment, every situation, every day. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Um, it must be a great space to, to be in. It is. Um, it's so peaceful. Yeah. Well, here, this next question, and you are someone who is, is extremely honest and candid, but I'm wondering if um, there's something about you that you refuse to hide. Did I? That you refuse to hide. Okay, I refuse to hide? Yeah. Follow who I am. Mm. I live out loud. That's probably what's gotten me in so much trouble. <laughs> that New Jersey in you, right? Like that you were going to I live out loud. I don't, I don't, and I don't apologize for it. Yeah. What's a club that you claim is your own? A club that I claim of my, is my own. Oh, I'm not sure if I know how to answer that. Um, I don't know how to answer that. I don't have a club. You know, I'm a single flyer. Mm, you got your own club, right? right? I am. I'm just kind of, you know, I've never been a group thinker. I'm just, my club is the people I hang out with and the and my dog and my plants. That's my club. Yeah. Okay. It's, the, it's, it's everything that brings me um, peace, harmony, and joy. Nice. That's the, it's my people. It's my plants. It's my interactions when I meet people on the plane that I decide to interview. Yeah. <laughs> You, you all will, will appreciate the fact we used to just want to put Cheryl in a, get a first class ticket to anywhere for six hours because that was our best business development. Uh, if Cheryl on the plane for six hours with somebody in conversation, we would get so many Cheryl, as you were, you, you had your space. Um, if you could have dinner, um, a dinner party for four, um, who are the three other people that you would invite? And Frank, you're, you know, is, is out of town. So okay. like Frank would, of course, get the invitation anytime. But who are three other people? Okay, do they have to be dead or alive? Either one, whoever. Oh, my is. God. Right now, like right now, mm-hmm. I'd love to have my dad at the table. Okay. Because we would be talking nonstop about the world today. So my dad would be here. I would love to have my... um. My grandmother, this is a woman that's so strong and powerful. And then who else do I want at the table? You know, I might bring in, I might bring in Barack and Michelle. That's five. That, and then me. So, and that's, that's Cheryl, breaking the rules, right? So you, Girl, I can't. Before, you're going to squeeze in that extra chair. So that and I got some other people. I got, I got some other seats I can bring some people <laughs> That is good. Yeah, my dad, I mean, my God, I would just love this. I I think of him all the time because we would be unpacking this world quite a bit right now. He would enjoy that conversation. Uh, What's one thing on your bucket list? Oh, my bucket list has gotten really emptied. Mm, Let me think. You know, it's going to sound kind of boring because we've done it already, but we want to go back to Europe next year and see our dear friends in Europe. They're like family, and we really, really miss them. So we just talked about going to see them June of 2023. Nice. So hopefully. Love it. Yeah. All right. And what's one thing that you're hopeful for? I'm really hopeful 
that the United States one day will realize all of its beauty and power and strength. And it's truth. We have to unlock the truth. I just really hope that one day. I don't know if I'll be here because this is really hard stuff because this is that, this gets so deep, but I really hope, I always say if this country ever maxes its human beings, oh my God, there will be no stop in this country, period. End of story. Yeah. Hey, uh, amen to that. Cheryl, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, I am so grateful for having you in my life. So grateful that you came on. Oh, I got you, girl. Podcast. Thanks for sharing so many nuggets. Uh, Absolutely. With- Thank you for asking me. Thank you for inviting me to your phenomenal podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have you back because I think that you have some okay. wisdom to share. But uh Cheryl Burrell, as you all can see, um, such an inspiration, so much wisdom uh, that she shared with me and I I know shared today during our podcast. I'm so grateful for those relationships that um, she helped me to see were important. Uh, And I hope you all heard some of the the many nuggets of great advice and insight that she shared as you look to unlock the club and are navigating that. Uh, Thank you all for joining us today on Unlocking the Club. Until next time. Do what you can, do it in peace, and do it together. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Unlocking the Club. If this conversation resonated with you, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite streaming platform so that you can experience every episode. And follow us on social media where you'll hear about future guests, access special features, and connect with this amazing community. Head on over there and let us know how you are unlocking the club. Until next time. Peace.